was. We worship the God who is. We worship the God who evermore will be. He opened the prison door. He parted the raging sea. My God, He last night. You are alive. It's beautiful. (laughs) Uh, Thank you so much to everyone who helped. I mean, from the setup to the cleanup to taking the trash home with you, or not home, I hope, but anyway, to (laughs) taking the trash off the premises, uh, everything. We appreciate everyone's help so much and um, so thankful for the turnout, for the weather, And uh, we are going to trust the Lord that some lives were touched and um, uh, just continue to reach out when we're given the opportunities. Amen? Amen. And uh, 
yeah, thank our our young people who helped as well. And I mean, we just had age all ages there helping, and it was it was wonderful to see everybody working together. And it was good to be be together, wasn't it? So, uh, thank you all for that. Um, we do have a ladies' meeting coming up uh, this Saturday. Yes, this Saturday, five o'clock here at the church. I actually won't be here, but you all will get together, and Vicky's going to do the devotion, and um, the Lord will bless the fellowship, I'm sure. So you all enjoy. So uh, November 5th at 5 o'clock. So bring a dish to share, snack, whatever, and um, we have a good time with that. Um, any other announcements? No, but I will when I do the offering. Yeah, yeah, yep. Any other? Okay. All right. Well, as I said, it's good to have everybody here with us this morning. Uh, We want to worship the Lord and see what the Lord has for us, don't we? That's what we want this morning and him to have his way. We want to have prayer for those of you who did not hear. It went through the prayer chain, too. But um, our former pastor's wife, Joanne, uh, and also... Well, it's Joanne's brother and sister-in-law, and Michaela Manning, or Shaver, most of you know her, um, lost her parents um, last night in a car accident. So both of them passed away uh, in the car accident. So let's um, remember that whole family in prayer. Uh, It's a shock when anybody passes suddenly like that. And Michaela is taking comfort in the fact that she knows her parents are together. And that's, she knows that is exactly the way that they would have wanted it. And um, she's taking comfort in that, but of course still the grief is, is very real. And um, so let's remember to uphold them, that family, in prayer. Um, let's also remember uh, Brother Craig. Um, he was at the emergency room last night with his ankle um, hurting him pretty badly where he couldn't bear weight on it. Um, so let's remember him uh, in prayer. Uh, anyone else have anything they want to mention in prayer? Sure. Yes. Yes. We know how to cook. Oh, praise the Lord. Yeah, praise the Lord. We're thankful that Connie is doing well, Vicki's sister, and uh, continue to lift her up for the rest of the treatment process. But thankful for the report so far. All right, let's all stand. And uh, let's pray for these requests and for the community around us that we can do what the Lord wants us to do to reach out to them. So, let's pray.
Amen. Thank you, Lord. You, you can be seated again for a moment as our ushers come for the offering. It is fifth Sunday. We don't have those all the time. Fifth Sunday, and this uh, goes towards our building fund uh, offering. Um, it, unless you mark it otherwise, if you have ties or anything, mark that in an envelope. Otherwise, anything will go through towards the building fund offering. Um, and let's uh, pray for the offering. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this opportunity to worship you in our giving, Lord. Father, uh, help us to give what you would have us to give, Lord, and you use it for your intended purposes, Father. And may it all be used for your glory and your name. Amen.
turns things around. Amen? He turns things around. Those things that were called dead, he brings to life. Those things that were called dried up, he brings his living water and it breathes again. Lives again. Amen? He turns things around. Thank you, Lord.
everything is leveled at the foot of the cross. When you come to him, you are his child. And he doesn't care if you have talents that are applauded by the world and noticed by the world. He doesn't care about your position at work and even in the church. All he wants is our hallelujah. I have nothing else fit for a king. I have nothing else fit for a king. It it doesn't matter where I stand in the world's eyes or what kind of things I have accomplished. I have nothing else fit for a king except for a heart singing hallelujah. Hallelujah. So come on, my soul, don't get shy on me. You've got a lion inside of those lungs. When he is in you, when he is in you, hallelujah, greater is he that is in us. Amen. Oh, come on, my soul. Oh, don't you get shy on me.
Thank you, Lord. A few people asked last week after church who was speaking. I said I didn't know, and I truly didn't know it was me. I wasn't lying trying to get you to come back, telling you it wasn't me. But <clears throat> And then, uh, well, if you were here last week, this might, this might make a little sense to you, but um, here I was here mowing Monday morning. It was kind of raining, a little light rain, and uh, Back at it, I got over to this north side, and I still didn't know what I was talking about. I just kind of found out Sunday night that I was probably talking. And God said, we're going to continue on with change. So he was speaking to me again, Only I guess because I was closer to Iowa again. I don't know. But he spoke. I was right over here. gave me kind of the title, and then it, it's a built from there. So if you were here last Sunday, you, you kind of know what that means. And I can even go further. It was like raining over here, and I got over there, and it was like sunshine shining on me, and it was... Well, maybe not, maybe not quite that far, but it was raining everywhere. But, but uh, God gave us a title. We're going to continue on. But before we do that, we're going to do a couple things here. We were at a, a football game Friday night. We got a couple football players in here, don't we, from Northtown. We got a few clips. If you watch the screen, we're going to see. We got uh, PJ is number four on his team. Yeah's 99. Now, Yeah's hard to find out there a lot of times because there's a lot of people. You can go ahead and start the clip. Well, there was number four making the tackle. That was PJ. That quarterback was scared. You can see that. He saw number four coming. Done. This one we're going to let play for a second because the announcer gets a little excited. If you watch this one, I told PJ he got pushed. See, that guy pushed him. That's not legal. I told him to take that one to his coach. Show him that coach. That's why it's hard to see Yeye sometimes. He's in there in that big tile. But, uh, <laughs> There's another sack. This is the last defensive play of the game right here. This is the one that sealed it up. <laughs> and there they come off. Good brotherly love there, sharing. They were sharing, sharing the uh, victory there. But 
Oh, that was good stuff. They got a big, that was the playoff, first playoff game, so they got a big win, so they play again this week. Um, so congratulations to them. And, and again, show that clip to your coach. <laughs> All right, so um, I gave you guys a challenge last week. Do you remember? Did anybody take up the challenge? Did anybody go to the park? You can go ahead, Deji. <laughs> okay, well, there's one that at least thought about it. <laughs> now, if you were here, it makes sense. We were talking about letting go of things in our past. If it's monkey bars, if you don't let go, you can't move on. So if you watch that backhand, it, it, it doesn't ever let go. And I don't get very far. See, if we don't let go, we can't, we can't press on. We can't keep going forward. Sometimes it even pulls us back, our past. It might see us come back a little bit. There wasn't too many kids around here, so I wasn't too scared to be out there. <laughs> but then it got dark on me because I couldn't move. I was just hanging there, hanging there, hanging there. And I just couldn't let go of things. So that's where, that's where I stayed that night. But... Uh, so there you go. All right. Are you ready for change? Was the title last week. It's the title this week. But this week we added change your world, salt and light. We're going to be in Matthew uh, chapter 5 here in just a few minutes. But changing the world, that can sound a little overwhelming. It can sound a little complicated. If we say it, change your world, maybe it makes the world a little bit smaller place. It makes it a little better, maybe a little more manageable. But it's still complicated. So this morning we're going to see if we can think about it maybe in a little simpler way. We're actually going to just focus on a handful of scriptures as our guidance. After all, Jesus has commanded us to take the gospel into all the world. So I know everybody here, most everybody here was working last night in the, uh, in the event we had here. So everybody's kind of wore out. I can see it on your faces. I'm going to keep this pretty short. Um, I don't want too many people to be asleep. Some of you might be asleep by the end of this sentence. There's only one. There's only one out there. That was Jude. I hate to call him out like that, but I knew something was up when I seen him reach in his backpack and he pulled out a pillow. I knew it wasn't good. But, but the rest of you will keep it short and see if we can get through this. Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, that's what Matthew chapter 5 is about. Jesus offers a way, a way of life that seems opposite, kind of upside down of what the world uh, teaches us and the lessons that the world would show us. So as we begin in chapter 5 with verses 13 through 16, and that's really just going to be our main verses today, believers are salt and light. Starting with verse 13, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor... How shall it be seasoned? Is it then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men? You are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do they light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. 
Um, well, let's pray, and then we'll begin. So, God, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for this time, for these words. God, I just pray that you open our hearts, our minds, to receive what you have for us here today. God, that you will um, uplift us here this morning. God, help us be attentive and, and to uh, pick up what you want us here uh, to here today. And we give you the praise for this. Amen. Amen. All right, I mentioned last week that... Uh, when people speak, sometimes everybody kind of pulls up something maybe different out of what was said. Um, really, there's only probably one or two parts that might stick with us. You know, you're not going to remember whatever 30-minute sermon I think I've mentioned before. We've sat in some stuff maybe as a church in a service and thought, man, that message was awesome. But then, you know, if that was years ago, think back. At the time, it was awesome, but what do you remember from it? It doesn't just have to be church. You're at a motivational speaker, and they were awesome. What did you really pull? A lot of times, you only pull one or two things out of it. It was kind of interesting. After last Sunday, I had a few different people come back to me and talk to me, and each one that spoke to me talked about what they pulled, and it was all something different out of it. God just does that. He works, and he knows what to speak. So some of, some of the things that are spoken really aren't for you. You might be like, well, that's not interesting and that probably wasn't for you if you didn't find it interesting but uh don't hate the speaker for it just uh, <laughs> but uh, god just works like that but as we focus in on this uh share a quick little story here a chinese christian told a missionary once i have learned to quote the entire sermon on the mount by memory and then he went and he did it perfectly the missionary said well that's wonderful how did you do that the Christian told him, I spent the last year trying to live it. That is how he would memorized it. He spent the year trying to live it. Do we try to live the scriptures? So as I mentioned, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Jesus offers a way of life that is going to seem opposite compared to what the lessons of the world tell us. Jesus came into this world. It was very broken. He began telling people and showing people that God and the kingdom of heaven are real. His message to his disciples and to the crowd was that the blessing of living in God's kingdom are available to anyone who wants to follow. Those blessings do not depend on our current circumstances. I believe Lisa just mentioned it's not about our kind of like the power, the, the placement that we hold. Um, God's going to use everybody. It's not even about your talents. He can just use us. It's important because despite all the medical, scientific, technical improvements over the last 2,000 years since Jesus was here, the world we live in is still broken, right? We still have hunger, disease, conflict, hatred, greed, tragedy. They all still exist. And a lot of us know this from our own experiences. Sometimes the brokenness of the world can seem overwhelming. Compared to its enormity, we can feel very insignificant. Have you ever felt insignificant? What kind of difference can I really make? What could I really do? How and where would I even start? We tell ourselves that it's up to other people. It's up to the people with more power, the people who have more influence. They have a higher position. They have more wealth than us. It's up to them. Maybe they can fix the broken world. But when Jesus gave this Sermon on the Mount... He wasn't speaking necessarily to the influential people of that time, the people who had great power. He was speaking to the common people. They were living ordinary lives. But yet Jesus said to them, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. What does that really mean? His words are directed to us as well today. Even though the problems of this world, the problems of the nation, the problems of our communities, they seem too big, 
Jesus says, you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. We will live when we live for the kingdom of heaven. We're like the salt of the earth. We're something that's tasty in a bland world. We are to be something that changes the environment we are in. When we live in a relationship with God through Christ, we are in light. Again, we are the light of the world. We are different than the darkness that surrounds us. We should be revealing what is hidden in that darkness. So we're going to dive in and look a little closer at salt. This is going to be salt 101 for a second. Here we go. We we often take salt for granted today. But in Jesus' day, salt was often traded ounce for ounce with gold. Isn't that interesting? Ounce and ounce. That's, that's hard to imagine. Ounce and ounce with gold. Soldiers were paid in salt. And from that, we get our word salary. This is where the common saying of being worth one salt came from. If you've ever heard that, being worth, uh, your, your, uh, one's, being worth one salt, um, it's because the soldiers were being paid that. Soldiers who did a good job were worthy of the salt that they had earned. In Rome, the soldier's pay was originally salt. The word salary came from it. Salary comes from a Latin word, salarium, which also means salary, and has the root sal or salt. In ancient Rome, it specifically meant the amount of money allotted to a Roman soldier to buy salt, which was an expensive but essential commodity. All right, so I gave you a challenge last week. Not everybody done it from what I heard and saw, but some thought about it, so I'm going to give you another chance this week to do something. All right, so the next time you receive a check, whether it's from the boss or your work, wherever, wherever you get a check, I want you to tell them, no thanks, I would rather be played in salt, all right? And just see what they do. Just see, see their expression, all right? So do that, and I bet you we'll have a lot of stories. <laughs> All right, so it's hard to comprehend that salt was worth the same as gold. Salt at that time was used to uh, preserve meat, right? They didn't have refrigeration, and it also did some flavoring of the food. But it was an essential commodity. So if you try to think of something to compare it to today. All I could come up with was Jude again, an essential commodity. i got to use Jude again. <laughs> if you've had a computer problem, you call Jude, right? Call Jude, that essential commodity. And then... He talks for a minute, and you're like, Jude, talk English. What are you telling me to do? And so he kind of walks you through it, and you try it, and it don't work. He'll tell you something else, and you try it, and it don't work. And this is just a little secret between us. If you'll do that three times with Jude, he'll finally be like, fine, I'll just come look at it myself. See, and that's what, you, that's what you really want, so just press on. Just press on, and you'll get it. See, he's the essential commodity. Maybe it's not a perfect illustration, but we're going with that one. The salt is very interesting. If I had a glass of water up here, I do have a bottle, but if I put just a little bit of salt in that bottle, not a lot, just, just a few little uh, droplets of salt, you wouldn't see it anymore, right? It would be kind of overwhelmed by the water. You'd think, man, that salt's gone. But is that really the case? It's not the case, because if you taste that water, you're going to taste something that's in there. It's going to be very salty. It's uh, The salt is not gone, of course. It's still very, very present. It's making a very big impact on its surroundings. Think about how we use salt in the wintertime. I hate to think about that, but we, 
Think about that. We put salt on the icy sidewalks, on the streets. It helps impede the uh, water from forming ice crystals. I don't know all the science behind it, but that's what it does. If it's already frozen, you throw it on there, it thaws it, turns it back into water. Um, but, but it can make the slippery surfaces much, much safer. See, salt makes an impact because it is salt. People whose lives have been changed because of Jesus also have an impact. When we have welcomed Jesus into our hearts and our lives, we can't help but affect the world that is around us, just like the salt does. Even as a little bit of salt flavors and affects whatever it touches, so a little bit of faith can also make a very big impact. But Jesus went on to tell us if salt loses its saltiness, what is it good for? We have met Jesus, the one who caused the crowds of people to follow him. When he spoke to them, he ate with them, he shared life with them. Their lives were turned upside down. They were never the same, and they didn't want to be the same. So if we have Jesus in our hearts, then how do we lose our saltiness? In Jesus' day in Palestine, salt was harvested from the area of the Dead Sea. That salt was not pure. It was mixed with a lot of other substances, which could and often did go bad. The salt was no longer useful. It could only be thrown away. It was salt that had lost its saltiness. If we who believe in Jesus stop letting him change us, change our attitudes, our behaviors, our actions, if our lives no longer reflect Christ's ways, if we allow the world around us to change us, in other words, contaminate us, then we become just like those who don't know Jesus. We are no different from the bland world around us. We become unsalty salt. We are no longer useful to the kingdom of heaven. Jesus also said, you're the light of the world. When we find ourselves in darkness, what do we do? We light a candle, turn on a flashlight. More common today, we pull our phone out of our pocket, turn on the light. It helps illuminate the darkness. Then we can see what was hidden in the dark. Light reveals what was what was present in that darkness. Light also attracts attention. In a dark place, all eyes will often focus on one light that's shining. Before the days of GPS, sailors determined their location by the stars, the stars that were shining thousands of light years away. The gleams of a lighthouse often gave them direction. It also attracted attention, often revealing hidden obstacles. Have you noticed in just the last couple years how much darkness has been revealed? There's lights turning on. A lot of evil things that have been taking place in darkness can now be seen. Attention is being drawn to it. The lights are shining on it. The more lights that are turning on, they are revealing more and more the things that were there. They were there before, but now they are being seen. Living as a light in this world, disciples of Jesus... We reveal the presence of God, the presence that can seem lost in the darkness. Christians give guidance. They provide an example as their lives reflect God's love and the purpose in this world. However, Jesus said, light that is hidden is not useful. If we're in a dark room, we turn on a flashlight, but then put our hand over the lens and cover it up, that light doesn't have any impact. We're still standing there in the dark. Like salt can't help but be salty, light can't help but shine. But here's the thing. Salt that stays in the shaker, it's not going to have much of an impact. 
If I uh, was eating some food and it was in desperate need of salt, first of all, that would mean I was at faith. No, no, that's not right. (laughs) That's not right. I want to be mean. That's the one thing she does pretty good, that cooking. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, so no, if I'm sitting there and my food needs some desperate salt and I just stare at that shaker, it's not going to make that food any better. It's not going to get it done. That salt has got to come in contact with what's around it. It's got to come in contact with that food. A shining light that is hidden, it's not going to illuminate anything. Followers followers of Jesus who don't let him reshape their lives or who try to keep him to their, their selves, they're not going to make an impact on the world. They make no difference. They become irrelevant. They are like the salt in the shaker or the light that will not illuminate anything. It's covered. But salt that gets out of the shaker, it'll flavor whatever it touches. You might have a plate of food and put a little salt on something and you didn't want salt on something else and maybe that was sweet there and you take a bite of that and you're like, what was that? Yeah, you got a little salt on there. That salt's going to flavor whatever it touches. It makes a difference. Light that is not covered, it pushes back the darkness. What keeps us from showing Jesus to others? How might we become unsalty or hidden light? Do we get tired? Do we get wore out? I'm not sure we were made by God to go as fast as we try to go in this culture or process as much information and opinion that constantly inundates us. We're constantly getting it. I think we all want to notice the person at work, at the store, people at church who are hurting, who need some help. We want to be Jesus to those around us, but are we too tired sometimes to even notice? What do tired people need? They need some rest. What did Jesus say in Matthew eleven twenty eight? He said, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. We can rest at the feet at the feet of Jesus. Yes. He will recharge us, he will refocus us. Yes. How else can we become unsalty? Are we too busy? We run here, we run there, our days are just full. We get all this busyness going with what we call the necessity of life, right? Things we think we have to get done. But do we get so busy that we don't let the salt pour out? We don't let the light shine. We're not impacting those around us. We're just like those in the world. The only thing is we're letting the world change us instead of vice versa like we're supposed to be doing. We're becoming more like them. Does fear help make us unsalty? We talked a little bit about fear last week. Fear can change us. It can change us from being the salt and the light. What will people think if I go and and, uh, tell them that I believe this way? If I share this, how will people react? Sometimes Jesus said some pretty scary things in the Gospels if we read through them. He talks about selling all your possessions in there and giving to the poor. talks about family will disown you. You will have to carry a cross if you're a follower of Jesus. But then, like in Luke 12 and 32, Jesus also says, Don't be afraid, little flock, for your Father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Don't worry. Don't be afraid, he said. So how do we become salty salt and shining light? We trust God, knowing that God has given us the kingdom. Don't be too tired. Too busy or too fearful. 
We rest in him. We focus not on the things of the world, but the things that are eternal. Jesus said, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and give, give glory to your Father in heaven. As we do works inspired and directed by God through the Holy Spirit, the light of Christ shines through us and it draws other people, catches their attention. So we must be careful not to take credit for ourselves, of course. We always want to point them to God as he is the one who can actually change their lives. We'll, we'll finish with a, with a story here. A lady named Flo Wheatley. She was a perfect example of salt and light. She had brought her son to Manhattan for some chemotherapy treatments. One bitter winter afternoon, after her son's treatment, they were trying to get back to the subway when her son got sick. There was a homeless man nearby. He said, lady, you need some help. Before she could even stop him, he came over, picked up her suitcase, and started walking toward the subway. She gathered her son and followed. On the way, she told him where they were headed, and he took them to the station and got on the train with them. When they arrived, he carried the suitcase to a nearby taxi stand, and he helped Flo and her son get a cab to their destination. As she put a $5 bill in his hand... Just to thank him, he said, don't abandon us. His face and his words haunted Flo for many restless nights. Over the next two years, she and her husband made many trips from their home in Pennsylvania to New York City. She began to notice homeless people and recognize many familiar faces on each trip. She didn't know what she could do. She began praying. Then one time it dawned on her. She loved to sew. So one evening, she went through her fabric scraps, asked her kids for some of their old clothes. She designed a sleeping bag that was large enough for one person and a few possessions. She got her family involved, and that first year, they made eight sleeping bags. They went into the city, and they passed them out. That was the beginning of a ministry that they called My Brother's Keeper Quilt Project. When a neighbor heard about it, she encouraged Flo to talk to other women at the church about it. Soon women from local United Methodist, Quaker, Catholic, and Assemblies of God churches were making emergency sleeping bags. They prayed over each sleeping bag they made. Flo, her husband, and some others continued passing them out. Today that idea has spread across this nation, around the world, their website is thesleepingbagproject.org. It tells their story of how others can get involved. Flo's message was simple. Start here, start now. Everybody can do something. See, we spend our lives thinking about how we can change, how we can change ourselves and how to change ourselves through things, uh, eating, exercising, saving money, growing as people. Right? And these aren't bad things. We should experience ways to make positive change. But it's much more important if we would just listen to what Jesus is saying. I will change you, he tells us. I will change you. You can change your world. He invites us, no matter how common, ordinary, unimportant we feel, he invites us into a life with him. Then he says there's a result to that commitment to follow him. He tells us you are the salt of the earth. You are the light of the world. Don't stay in the shaker. Don't hide the light that Christ is shining through us. 
find ways to flavor our world with Christ's grace and to shine God's love in your world. And then sit back and see what God can do as you begin to do that. And always remember to give God all the glory. Would you stand this morning? You know, another, another change that is very important, letting God uh, change us and then shining the light. We were given that, given that command to be the light of the world. Uh, you know, we've done some of that last night um, as, a, as a body of believers. We went out as a community and shined the light, put out some salt, and then each individual got to do that too, personally. With, with different relationships and got to minister to kids and families out there. And that's what we're supposed to be doing each and every day. We don't want to get too busy with our lives that we forget to do that. Um, we need to be praying just as, as the lady did there, seeking for an opportunity of how to help. If we would just seek that daily, we come into contact with people. and We can, we can be that difference. Let that light shine. Let that salt trickle out. and Maybe even people who didn't want that salt on their fruit or whatever's on the plate, it little gets on there and it makes a difference in them. <laughs> they, they might not like it either at first, <laughs> but uh, we let God make the change, right? We just do what we're supposed to do. We can't change anybody, but uh, let's close in prayer here this morning. God, we thank you again for this time, God, and for your words, Lord. I just pray that each one of us, God, would um, help just be the the uh, salt that you want us to be, God, and the light shone, shining uh, before others, Lord, in, in each of our, our worlds, God, the people we come in contact with each day, Lord. I just pray that you uh, continue to minister to us, help us to uh, change and be more like you, God. Be what you want us to be, Lord, and that we would see what you are wanting each one of us to do, God, that we can affect our communities and those around us, Lord, and that we can... Um, just be what you want us to be, God, and pouring into others, God, and that uh, we just help plant those seeds, God, and you make the difference, Lord. And just continue to be with us here and continue to direct us, God, each one as individuals, God, and, and as a, a church as well, God, that we'll continue to walk as you want us to and, and uh, share the, the love of uh, Christ to all those we come in contact with. In your name, amen. Amen. God bless. Now don't forget.